And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Benched with Bubba, episode 621, continuing through the AL East in our 2024 fantasy baseball team previews, heading to Boston, to the Boston Red Sox, a team that has had its great days, had some very frustrating days, especially if you're on you know Twitter or X and watch Red Sox fans. It's gone up and down the last few years. I've always been like a closeted Red Sox fan because I've been a Pedroia guy my whole life just because I've known him forever. So it's kind of been a little second home to me, like team-wise. And fun to see things maybe changing a little bit. Not a lot. I know there's still frustration out there in the spending department, but at least they're making some moves, good or bad. We'll see. That's what the show will tell us. In order to help break down the Red Sox, I have a special guest rejoining me. She helped me break down the Red Sox last year. Kind enough to do it again this year. You can find her work over at Roto World at Baseball HQ, or she, you know, I somehow write there too. So that is fun. Uh, she wrote a really cool article in the FTN Draft Guide about her first year in the OC. I was reading that. That was really fun stuff to listen to. And you can follow her on Twitter at ShellyV underscore 643. Shelly, very straight. How are we doing, my friend? Hey, Bubby. Ha- ha- happy New Year. Happy New Year to you too. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, It's been an interesting, you know, time. Um uh, especially in like Red Sox land, um, it's a whole lot of uh, dread. But hopefully, this new year bring something spectacular. I think there's still more to come. Hopefully, hoping. Hopefully. Like I, the latest about needing to clear cap space to go get She's the player the was one of those you probably just don't even say out loud. Just think before you speak things. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> exactly, <laughs> like when I saw that, I'm like, that didn't need to be said. Just like keep that, that one did not. But uh, there's, I think there's still some hope there. We'll mm-hmm. see. Uh, before we get into the 2024 player pool, I kind of just ask everybody, what was kind of your, I guess, thoughts on how 2023 went for the Red Sox? Uh, uh, was it kind of, well, obviously you didn't win a title, so that was a bummer, but only one team does that. But as a whole, how do you think things went? Um, as a Red Sox fan, um, I was disappointed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if we're going to get into fantasy and like betting, Right, I I bet the under for their win total, and they just they just just did not make it. Right, mm-hmm. uh, so you know I got a hundred dollars for my yeah. pessimism. So <laughs> you know, thing. yeah, but uh, you know, just as a fan, it's just been extremely disappointing for the last couple of seasons. Just you know, watching the team as a whole. I mean, the hitting has been awesome, but the pitching hasn't. Um, the defense is just laughable at this point. So it's been a really frustrating couple of years, but hey, I got a hundred dollars out of it. So it's cool. Maybe you get a hundred more this year. We'll see. Exactly. Let's, let's see goes. Like when you when you say it that way, I'm like, I try not to always bring it back to my giants, but I'm like, God, I, I have the same sentiments <laughs> when you say it like that. It's the opposite, like the pitching's been good, but the, the hitting's been so atrocious, the defense is laughable. And I'm like, it's just the yeah. same thing. They have money too. Giants have money too, and they still don't yes. do anything. Yes, yes. It's exactly. just you, you sit there watching all these other players go and get signed, and you're like, we could do this. What are we doing? And then we get exactly. smoked by our big rivals. It's so much fun. Like <laughs> once you started saying that out loud, I'm like, yeah, that sounds really, really familiar. That's sounds pretty, really familiar. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it, same story. Yeah, it's just extremely frustrating. I mean, you you love the team with all your heart, but as soon as mm-hmm. like as soon as you like flip on a game, you're like, you just you just want to throw everything in the air. It's so yeah. frustrating. Like once or twice a week, they make you realize, okay, this is good. Okay. It's the other like four or five days where you're just like, oh. Not again. Not again. <laughs> why are we doing this? Why do I do this to myself? Yeah, that's why we play fantasy baseball. So, exactly. <laughs> so let's get into the fantasy baseball side of things. And for anybody listening, I kind of 
I used uh, NFBC ADP from like December 1st-ish on or whatever. We can kind of use whatever dates we want. There's been 15 drafts since then. Um, and those DC drafts, 15 teams. But more important, we're just kind of curious about what what Shelly thinks of like how these players perform because she's, as a fan, knows them much better than I. So that's the beauty of this. Uh, let's start with one that everybody knows. And that is when Raphael Devers, when he re-signed with the team a year or so ago, that was a big like, cool, yeah, we're doing things. Uh, Raphael, at least, will be here for a bit. But what are we expecting from Devers here in 2024 as he's like that quiet guy that was a first-rounder, now he's moving to the second round, but uh, continually puts up power, hits for a decent average. Like His numbers are good. Uh, he just kind of quietly does his thing. So what's your thoughts on Raphael Devers? Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's you know, pretty much what he's you, – you're not going to hate drafting him in any type of league. I mean, yeah, he has fallen from, like, last year. Because, like, last year I was taking him – mid second round and then if i wanted to be bold i took him like really high up in the second round um this year he's kind of falling back a bit i understand it because last year he didn't like overperform he just kind of did what you expected i mean it was a little bit um maybe a little bit less in power because i mean i was expecting like a step up um i mean he hit 33 home runs last year he, you know, drove in 100, uh, uh, scored 90 runs. I mean, that's, that's completely fine. But going into last year, like, I was expecting 35, 40 home runs from this guy. And he just didn't quite get that. So I understand why he's come down just a little bit. But, I mean, if you want, like, a set it and forget it type of guy, which is kind of what you're looking for in the first and second rounds, I mean, that's the kind of guy that you want to go for. So, I mean, for drafts that I've currently done on the NFBC, I've been trying to get, obviously, like the first pick because you want Robert Kennedy Jr., right? Um, but I've been trying to get like first, second, or third, fourth, maybe fifth. And I could definitely get uh, get a, you know, um, a Bobby Witt and then come back around to get Devers and then come back around and get like another good pitcher. It kind of depends on things, but I think Devers is just like the set it and forget it guy. Um, you know what you're going to get. It's yeah. Devers is great. Like the way you built it right there. He's great. If you grab speed in the first round, he's a great average and power source around two hundred percent. He's basically now a discounted Austin Riley. Cause he goes after Austin Riley, a little less power than Riley, but a lot of kind of similarities in a roundabout way between the two. So that's kind of what you're getting. He's going right before Gunnar Henderson, which honestly I thought the hype might even jump that. I thought Henderson would go higher. Maybe he will. It's only January 2nd as we move forward. <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. But um, yeah, I think Devers, it's just, he's just boring. He's not the right word, but compared to the other flashy players, he's boring to people. And I like boring. So I'm with you. Like the safe set it, forget it. I have no problems with that whatsoever. So yeah, I think that's going to continue on. He's still super young. So not a lot of concerns right there. The one, well, there's many that I would want to ask you about, but the, the <laughs> one that's that just tears me apart in every draft I've been in so far because I see the price tag on one Trevor story. Mm-hmm. And yes, he was hurt most of last year, he came back from the injury that might have sidelined most people the entire season, all things considered. He only hit 203, power was down, speed was good though. Um, there are some question marks and underlying things that don't look great, but. What are you seeing with Trevor's story? Because you can get him at like an ADP of around 180 right now, which is very tempting for a guy like Trevor's story. I mean, honestly, at that point, 
I I would totally buy. Um, Because when it came with story, um, you know, coming into the season, he had that elbow surgery. And honestly, I didn't expect him to play. Like, he kept saying, oh, I'm going to be coming back at the All-Star break and all I'm like, okay, that's just, that's just like, you know, that's just player speak. I, I don't really believe it. But, you know, he started playing in minor league games and he was absolutely crushing. And I'm like, okay, we're going to get like, maybe we can, you know, as a as a team, maybe get into the wild card, right? With Travel Story just like raking in the minors. But, you know, uh, you know, they had like some beat writers kind of like, you know, talk to him because he was, you know, in the minors for a very long time. And, and Trevor was just like, I'm not ready. I don't feel ready, which didn't make any sense looking at how he was just demolishing triple a. Right. Um, but then he came up to the majors and he absolutely stunk right outside of his defense. His defense was pretty good. Um, he absolutely stunk at the plate. So it's kind of like, I just don't think that he was just all the way there and he might've known it as well. Like he took almost the, you know, the full amount of rehab time. So I think that it's an excellent uh, buying opportunity. Um, you know, you get power, you get speed. I mean, especially in like Fenway Park. Like I just, I think this, I think where he's going now, I think it's a, a total, a total steal. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think that he's just going to get back into rhythm and that's all he needs. I'm 100% with you. I'm like, I look at him, okay, the average might not ever be there because of course feel, of course, it was like a total Babbitt batting average heaven. We know this. Sure. But like you get him into Fenway with the, the monster, so power could still be there or at least peppers it off the wall. Yeah. Um, he, The fact he still stole 10 bags in a shortened season, we got 2020 potential coming here, which is yep. pretty darn pretty darn cool at 180. Going to still hit in the middle of the, the Red Sox lineup. And like you said last year, the offense was still very good. Which I expected to still be very good this year because they only lost Verdugo for the most part. Like I, there's yeah. not a whole lot of changes going on there. Yeah. Um, so I'm looking at this guy, middle of the order, 2020 potential, maybe more if he gets healthier mm-hmm. at 180. I'm, I'm with you. I'm just curious to see what you guys are seeing in Boston or talking about in Red Sox land on what you guys have been hearing because I see that tag and like and there's always a few. That's why we draft early. That's the old running like joke commentaries. Yep. Draft early, you find these. He might creep up to like 130 or something, but or even higher. Who knows? But it's just I, I keep seeing that. I'm like, what am I missing? What is weird here? But yeah, very, very interesting on that one. All right. Masataka Yoshida. Uh, kind of a mixed bag first season it, it, with the Red Sox. I thought it was pretty good, but there's also kind of some ups and downs. Still hit, hit for a good average, a little bit of power, no speed. But I think overall, if you said, okay, our first year, this is what he's going to give us. Okay, pretty cool. His ADP is around 180 as well, ironically. Um what are you seeing when you watched Masataka Yoshida last year? What kind of are the expectations for this season? Um, I think that he really kind of like, it seemed like he really wore down in the second half uh, because they, he was like really good in like the first half. And then he just started to play more of the outfield and he's, he, he needs to be a DH. Uh, God bless him. <laughs> um, um, and he just, it just seemed like he just kind of wore down and he does hit the ball on the ground a lot. Um, and I know it's a it's it's really hard to say. Oh, just lift it. You, you just just hit the ball <laughs> higher. Uh, yeah, let me let me you get in the batting cage exactly. and let me see if you can hit the ball higher. Um, but I mean, I he did fine. I mean, I maybe expected more than fifteen home runs, but you know maybe he could hit 17, 20 home runs. But he gets good batting average, which is really hard to find um, 
definitely like mid to late round and drafts. So I think he's, I think he's fine. I think he could probably either do what he did this year and maybe a little bit better. I mean, we all saw what Hai Sung Kim, you know, did this year. It, it took him like a year, year and a half to kind of get used to things. So, you know, maybe he just kind of shows a little bit more of that power. You're not going to get any speed whatsoever, but, uh, you know, power and batting average. That's, that's really, really good to find. Yeah, no, that's it's interesting. Like you mentioned Kim and I talked about it with Bloomfield and some other guys on the shows is these these Asian players from either Korea or Japan, wherever. It's the it's not just the learning curve of the game; it's the learning curve outside the game, like the whole culture, the the just the routine, the food, everything is so different. Um, and we see it with pitchers and hitters. And one of the things not outside, but the the learning curve of playing is their schedule over there. They play like six games a week, so there's always a day off. There's rest. There's always you mentioned him wearing down. That's something that um, isn't talked about enough by any player. Like Joey Bart of the Giants said it even as a catcher. He's like, I admit I'm exhausted. And they, you, you watch his numbers last like month and a half, horrible. And he said, I've never caught that many games in my life. So you look yeah. back, like you said, Yoshida, he's probably never taken that many at-bats in his life. Like, there's just so many little things that uh, right. kind of run into it. The travel, he stayed in so many more hotel rooms. Like, it's just constantly something. And you're right, like, we don't take all that into consideration. It's a learning curve. you got to get used to it. And um, luckily, they get to do that curve on the best dollars around and stuff. So it's a little more cushier when they do sure. it. But it's, it's, sure. uh, yeah, but uh, I'm with you. Like, we could see a little little bump. Like, like say a Suzuki. He looked a lot better as he got comfortable, stuff mm-hmm. like that. So I'm with you on that. I guess the people are don't the same as the benefactor of the Alex Verdugo trade is Jaron Durant. So it's kind of questions like where would he hit in the order? Would there be everyday playing time when I always thought there should be, but Verdugo's Verdugo, so he gets his. But now Jaron Durant should kind of slot into the everyday center field first top of the order role, it looks like, for the most part. Uh, speed, lots of speed, some power. What are your thoughts on Jaron Durant? Because even at 295 last year, which was very impressive. Yeah, I mean, honestly, he – he shocked me because I mean, going into last year, I'm just like, no, I've, I've seen this guy, you know, spits and spurts for like two years now. He just, he didn't really seem like he was, you know, gelling well with the team. And there was just kind of like some off field stuff that he was dealing with. Um, but, um, you know, he, talking with like uh, beat writers, right? Like he said that he was dealing like with some mental, mental health stuff and he is starting to get, you know, he started working um, with like therapists and sports trainers and all that type of stuff towards the end of the 2022 season. And he started, you know, continued to work with them last year. And it, he just like seemed just watching him. He didn't seem like so on edge. He seemed like more comfortable. I don't know if that's just being in the league for, you know, two seasons, bits and spits and spurts of two seasons, but just being more comfortable or just being more comfortable in himself. But I saw like that transformation, um, whether he could keep the 295, I'm not sure, but I mean, if he gets like a 260, 270, 275 with all of that speed, possibly hitting at the top of the lineup, mm-hmm. that's, that's something that I'm really interested in. Yeah. I'm excited about him. It's funny uh, on the outfield ADP, he's one pick ahead of Yoshida. They're going right next to each other, <laughs> which is like pretty interesting to me. Cause you got the bad average questions with Duran. We think Yoshida can kind of be pretty good there. Power wise, Yoshida has him. Duran's got the speed. So it's totally the old cop out. <laughs> How are you building your roster? So there, there you exactly. go. When it comes to draft day on that, on that section, but 
it is interesting. I think Duran's, you know, the, the age thing also is good, is a little bit in his favor. So I'm curious to see where he goes. I've always been a fan. It's just, again, it's the inconsistency. It's nice. He's, he's come out and said, I've, I've been seeking help. Not enough people do that. So it's good to see he, he went about it that way and, um, and see where that goes. Now the big name that everyone's talking about, that uh, anybody that's not just Red Sox fans, if you like fantasy baseball, Tristan Casas is your guy. I don't know if I pronounced that correctly or not. I think I did. But um, it's uh, he's only 24, which is beautiful. In the latest video I saw on Twitter, he has cornrows now. Yes. Um, he was like taking a nap last year or something in the off. Like the guy's a personality, which I respect. Like he's just, he's himself and does not care. Um, and he hits balls a mile and gets them very hard. So what's your thoughts on Tristan Casas? Because right now the excitement level is an ADP of 109, the 10th first baseman off the board. Yeah. Yeah. And I, um, I'm just drafting like my first DC and I just missed him by like two picks. And I was like really upset. Um, but, uh, you know, just, just Tristan Casas, like it's like a tale of like two halves because like the first half, like the underlying skills was like, like, oh my goodness, he should be performing like so much better. And then he did perform better in the second half, but his like underlying skills like flipped. So it's like this really weird thing. So I don't know if he just maybe just like got into a groove, like all the baseballs were like, you know, beach balls, right? And he could just like hit him out of the park. So I'm still a fan. Like I, I always like when he was in the minor leagues, like I always just kind of like comped him. To Joey Votto, it's probably a, a, a disservice to, to Casas to, to comp him to someone like Joey Votto. But, I mean, he just, like, has the approach and he adjusts his hands um, in, like, different types of counts just to, you know, put the bat on the ball. Like, he – I really do like him as a hitter. Mm-hmm. But it's just, like – it's just, like, a su- such a different mm-hmm. contrast between, like, the first and second halves. I still believe in him, but it's, like – I could see where it could maybe be still a little bit rocky before maybe next season he is just awesome the entire way. Yep. And that that's kind of what I'm I'm concerned the same way you are. And so when you saw the tail of two halves, and it was like people just look at the stat line and you're like, oh, it was a great second half. But for us that talk about this enough, you always look at underlying metrics, you look at this, that, and the other. He broke that mold. Like that was very, very frustrating. And so then you have to go back and go, do I trust what I've the process I've done for everybody else and just say he's an outlier? Or do yeah. I how do I go about it? And that's where it's tough because in reality he could be an outlier. He's so young, he's making adjustments 100 percent I might be more in your camp where it's like I think he'll still be very, very good this year, not opposed mm-hmm. to that. I think there's still gonna be some rock, rock like rough patches where yeah. you're gonna see him ironing out before he's consistent, like next year, like you're talking about. That's kind of where I'm living in that little bubble. And that's why it's been hard for me on draft day. Like, I think I have a share too. I don't know. I, I draft too much. So I probably do. But, um, like in OBP formats, love the man. Like, oh, yeah. he's amazing. 100%. Like, underdog, if you play that, beautiful. And he goes late in drafts. He's great. But, um, it just, yeah, the NFL, it can, his ADP keeps climbing too. For a yeah. while there, he was getting drafted around like Torkelson and Vinny Pascantino and another, one other kind of all in the same age group, kind of. Sure. Yeah. And now he's just, climbing and it makes it even harder to sit there and <laughs> it's just tough i can't wait to see what march looks like i'm terrified oh uh, lord have like, mercy keep the corn row, corn corn row videos away we might have a chance but uh, yeah <laughs> it's, it's gonna be tough 
All right, let's talk about one of the trades, though, not the quote-unquote big trade that happened recently. We'll get to that. But let's talk about Tyler O'Neill because this is when O'Neill's been rumored to be traded for a couple years now. Just never happened. We know the power speed is awesome. We know the injury concerns are great, so that leaves the consistency being a problem. But we have to think he's healthy right now to start the season, at least. We start spring training, so we got that going for us. And if he is, he should play a lot. I'm not going to say every day, but he should play a lot. And he's only getting drafted at ADP at 242. What are your thoughts on Tyler O'Neill? Because it's like over the last couple of years, people are either in or they're out on Tyler O'Neill. There's like yeah. no in between. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, I've always been kind of like the person who has been out on him. So, you know, I had like major egg on my face during that 2021 season when he hit 34 home runs. But Every other year, I've been good. kind of okay with that. Um, I was, I mean, I'm okay. I'm I'm fine with the trade. I mean, we didn't really give up, like, too much for him. I'm totally exactly. cool with it. And I understand, like, what the Red Sox are doing. Um, but, you know, if I put my fantasy manager hat on, um, I really, I, I, I can't do it. I, I really can't. I mean, he could possibly, you know, be healthy. Um, he doesn't have more mall. Right. He doesn't have all of that drama anymore. Like he left that in St. Louis. He's coming over to Boston. Alex Cora is like a, you know, a pretty decent players manager. So maybe there'll be a better relationship. So maybe, but I just, I just, I can't, I can't do it. It's been too long, you know, since that 2021. Oh, and we all know that every Cardinals outfielder gets traded and turns into an all-star slash future Hall of Famer. So you got that going <laughs> for you. Um, and that's just for all the Cardinal fan listeners out there that are already terrified of that happening again because it's just been a, <laughs> a very weird coincidence over and over again in St. Louis. But, yeah, I'm torn on them. Like, the price is intriguing enough to certain drafts get me interested in, like, okay, let's shoot power speed and see what happens. There's other times where I'm like, I'm really comfortable with my team. I don't really want to take a chance right here. Sure. Um, yeah. I, I'm I'm afraid it's like he's gonna go to spring training and the first few games and grapefruit league action starts hitting a couple home runs and everyone's like, Oh, he's back. Yep. And then, and, and then it's his back and it goes out later and we're in trouble again. So it's just <laughs> it's just a rolling effect of Tyler O'Neill. But I'm pulling for the kid. It's just a little sure. concerning to say the least. The other trade that took place and shocked me and many others. Um Chris Sale traded to the Braves. The, okay, the I've made this comment for the Braves are building another world series team without spending money. Technically why the Dodgers spend every dollar that everybody else doesn't spend. And it's very interesting to see that there are two ways to build teams, just like in fantasy, many ways to do it. Uh, but the Braves went and acquired Chris sale and some money to help pay for Chris sale for Vaughn Grissom. And I like this for the fact that it gives the Braves a starting pitcher. We're not have to worry about talking about that different podcast, but Vaughn Grissom is a, as a young ball player that everyone's been kind of optimistic on, could never get a, a regular playing time because Atlanta's loaded with talent. And now this kind of opens a door for him to play second base every day or shortstop. I'm assuming second base to put story to short. What are the thoughts or at least conversations or expectations of Von Grissom now as an everyday player? ADP's in the 380s. It'll come up eventually. But what, what are you thinking when, when that trade happened and you, you first you had your fans hat? You can give that analysis if you want. And then you have to think fantasy-wise, how does this impact him? So what's your thoughts on Grissom? Uh yeah, I'll do the the fans hat uh first because it's it's easier. Um <laughs> I I didn't necessarily like it um because I want a defensive guy at second base. Um versus, you know, like Grissom. Like I was hoping for, you know, the Red Sox to trade for Kim 
from the Padres because that that would have just because our defense was by far the worst. And I just I need to see some guys be able to pick it on the infield again. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, like you said earlier in the podcast, you're a Dustin Pedroia fan. Oh, that's that's my guy. So just seeing just people. He's dirty. He's good. Yeah. yeah, Just seeing just the Red Sox just boot balls the entire season just just infuriated me. Mm -hmm. Um, But from a fantasy standpoint, I like it. I mean, we won't talk about the sale part. We'll talk about the Grissom part. Uh, The dude can hit. The dude can just like flat out hit. We don't really know what the power is going to be. Um, I mean, he hit eight home runs last year in AAA over 468 plate appearances. But Gwinnett, uh, which is the AAA um, affiliate of the Braves, like their ballpark is not really uh, hitter friendly for like power. So seeing that he only hit eight home runs, right? That shouldn't necessarily scare like too many uh, fantasy managers away because I do think that he could probably hit 10, 15 home runs. Um, but I mean, his, his game, his, you know, skill is going to be batting average. Um, he could probably like swipe just a few bags, 15 to 20, but it's going to be batting average. And if at some point he could get like higher in the lineup, I know he's projected to be like eighth or ninth on roster resource. Um, there could be some more runs, but since he's kind of buried, it's kind of more of like a kind of like a batting average play at this point. Um, but I still I still like the trade because it's like they want to have him for like six years, so it's like totally fine. Um, but yeah, you have to keep that in mind, kind of like where he is hitting in the lineup, and don't just be maybe too excited to be like, oh. He's a second baseman for the Red Sox. Let me just draft him. So, yeah. Yeah, no, that's why I'm curious because you, you mentioned the talent part. The hitting part is very, yeah. very good. Defensively, there's a reason why Orlando RC is playing shortstop for the Braves. Yep. Um, so it makes it very interesting there. They, maybe he can improve. He's young. We'll see how that goes. But I think it was an interesting move, at least filled the gap. Like Kim would have been yeah, – Padres seen pitching too. So that would have been – wonder what the differences were there in that one for sure. Yeah. The rest of the squad has a lot of moving pieces. I, um, I put down William Abreu. He had his moments of inter- interesting stuff last year. Sedan Raffaello, I'm a big fan of, but it seems like he can't find a spot right now. Um, if you want to hit on those two, or if there's anybody else on the roster that might have some fantasy impact that you're at least interested in to start the season? Um, I mean, I, I like Wheeler Abreu. Like, you know, if they didn't get a second baseman, I thought that he would just be, you know, just a fine guy, you know, a uh, decent amount of power, maybe decent batting average, a good, like, late-round spec kind of thing. Um, and I understand, like, from a fantasy standpoint, the, the love for Rafaela because it's, like, speed, 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 speed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's just, like, so aggressive. So I, I was, I've always been afraid of what his strikeouts would look from, like, an extended period of time. Um, mm-hmm. But... Unless we like see some moves from the Red Sox, I don't really know if either of them are draftable in like a like a regular like redraft league. Mm-hmm. Um, like a draft and hold, yeah, sure, why not? I mean, they're currently projected to be on the roster. They definitely should get some playing time. Um, but from a regular league standpoint, it's more of a wait and see, see what happens in spring training coming. Sweet. All right, let's head to the mound where you mentioned pitching wasn't great at times last year but 
I don't know. I, I'm still optimistic on some of these guys. They're still young. They're still kind of finding their sea legs, it feels like. Yeah. And so let's start with your possibly best pitcher last year at, at times, Nick Pavetta. Um, I, I, I'm sorry. I, I tried to be <laughs> kind on that. Uh, he did throw 142. That was the biggest issue, I'll just say, with the Red Sox is there is the innings. There's really no innings either. Obviously, we'll get to Giolito. That's part of the reason they signed him. That made sense. But um, let's start with Nick Pavetta here. Strikeouts through the roof. Honestly, if you can tell me I get Pavetta with an ERA close to four, I'll sign up right now. Like, that's pretty sweet. Um, so what are your thoughts on Pavetta going into this season now? Because we saw so much. Oh, and he also went to the bullpen, and then he had an opener. There's a lot of things with Pavetta last year. Like, that's where probably a lot of his good numbers came from was when he was thrown out of the bullpen, now that I think about it. But uh, what are your thoughts on Pavetta? Um. I- I don't know. It, it might. It, this might sound like a 2019 fantasy baseball podcast, but I'm really excited about Nick Pavetta, where he's going currently in drafts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's currently going um, as the 182nd pitcher off NFBC, if I'm looking at things correctly. Obviously, that there is. Um, uh, I am not looking at that correctly. That's uh, ADP around 180. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so ADP of 180, uh, that's that's pretty decent, um, mm-hmm. especially with how many strikeouts that he put up last year. And just what he did in like the second half was like really, really amazing. Like like he went to the bullpen and I was just like totally, I'm like, okay, fine. This is where Pavetta's going to be. He's just going to be like a long man, middle reliever, two inning guy. That's totally cool. But he just like really turned it on in like the second half. Like he struck out ten, um, September twelfth against the Yankees, and then uh, six, seven, and then another ten against the Orioles. Like he was just like just mowing guys down at the end of the season, and I was just like, I was watching these games, and I'm like, is this like Nick Pavetta? Like <laughs> this is like he's going like four or five innings. Like what the heck is going on? Maybe he figured something out. Um, I mean, at his current draft price. I'll totally roll with that because, I mean, if I – even if he does go to the bullpen, he's still got plenty of strikeouts yeah. there. So his current price is just ideal. I'm with you. I had a ton of Pavetta in the second half. Got him off the waiver wire. In our in OCs, I was rolling with him for the strikeouts, and I actually liked him having the opener. I had more chances to get wins that way. It was actually pretty nice. So <laughs> uh, I'm all for it. If they want to go back to that role at some point in time, sign me up right now. Here's one that I am heartbroken and torn on in Lucas Giolito because I was I, I still I'm not, I still am but I was I was a very big Lucas Giolito fan like it was hard to ignore how good Lucas Giolito had been for so many years and then it all hit a wall of late. Uh, 2022 was not great. 2023 was really bad, especially in Anaheim and Cleveland. Now reports have come out he was dealing with a divorce off the field, which will obviously affect how you are on the mound. Again, going back to even the – we don't factor in what's going on out off the field. Like there's a lot – they're humans too. Like there's, there's a lot to go on there. So, you know, he's still going to be 29 this year. He's still very young. He's not that far removed from being an ace. I'm not – I don't think we'll see the ace ever again. Maybe we will. But at ADP of 223, what are your thoughts on Lucas Giolito? <laughs> Uh, like you, I've been a fan for a while. Um, back in like my, my like first couple of years uh, of doing like fantasy baseball writing, um, it was about the Nationals prospect system. So I was I've been kind of watching Giolito for for a while, and he massively disappointed me. 
um, and then was amazing, you know, for the White Sox for a couple years. Um, from a fantasy standpoint, this is not necessarily where I wanted him to go uh, because Fenway is not necessarily the best place to pitch. It's like one of the worst home parks. Um, but I think this is this is going to be like a put up or shut up year for him because, I mean, if he can just totally get even kind of close to what he was doing like a couple years ago in like 2019, uh, you know, 2020, when it, back to the White Sox, he can opt out and then just get even more money. So I think this is going to be a put up or shut up year for him. Um, and honestly, the the Red Sox need him, so they're going to just like let him go. Um, at his current draft cro- uh, draft price, I, I'm totally fine with taking a gamble. Um, a little bit maybe hesitant on the draft and hold because it 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 could go badly. Um, but you know, it, I mean, at his price is—it's kind of like crazy not to, not to like go for that. Like I, I thought that he was going to be like the Cy Young winner in like 2022. So, yeah, I, I like you. I was—I've been a big fan for a while. I'm with you. I thought I think I that year or one of the years I did pick him as like my long shot Cy Young guy. I'm, sure, I'm yeah. Way with you on that. But one thing you mentioned there that I—that really gets my attention because I—I always talk about this a lot of my show the chris rose rotation i enjoy it because these players come on and they they talk and gilito's a part of the rotation so he's on a lot took a break this season for the reasons i mentioned earlier uh they handle some other things but his mentality of like when he was struggling like even in 2022 the way he talked about it he's just a guy that i guess doesn't want to accept failure like other like he's gonna work his rear end off to be even if it's a little bit better than what he was which is a big plus in my mind and what correlates to what you said was going to say is the contract's huge for that motivation yeah. factor. The fact he's got the opt-outs each of the first two years, I think it is. Um, mm-hmm. It could be either this year or even the next year. So he's got, obviously wants to do it now to get paid because he'll be 30 next year, but that's another huge incentive, like you said. So I think there's a lot to be said. I wouldn't be shocked if right now he's down in Arizona somewhere, like been working on stuff already. I would not be yeah. shocked one bit if Giolito's down there to, to prove himself wrong. So I think that's a interesting one. The player going one pick behind him is a teammate of his, and uh, I am a giant Bay for Bayo fan. Um, <laughs> I rostered him everywhere last year, like last pick in Gladiators, like huge Brian Bayo fan. It mixed bag last year, but I'll still take it as an L, all things considered. I would have preferred a few things differently, but I'll take the 157 innings. Um, yep. The ratios, I think they're kind of, they are what they are, but there was definitely a couple of horrific outings that kind of skewed those ratios as a whole. I think he was much better again, not those are just my opinions as someone that sees him <laughs> probably every fifth day, actually watches his starts more often. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on Brian Bale? Cause the only thing that really concerns me is the lack of strikeouts, which obviously leads to potential for more problems. Uh, yeah, I'm, honestly, I feel the same way. Uh, I was a big uh Bayo fan as well I had him on midi draft and holds and some you know a couple of OCs that I had um when I watch Bayo um there are times where he is lights out and it it's just phenomenal to watch but then there are outings where he he just he just does not have it and I just don't know if he's at the consistent point yet and I still like him long term but when it comes to like the Red Sox, like 
I don't even remember prior to Bay. I don't even remember like the last pitching prospect outside of like Buckholtz. (laughs) That's going way back folks. Exactly. (laughs) So I don't necessarily believe in their pitching development. However, they did bring in some new pitching coaches this year. So maybe that will help in his uh, transition and to be more of a consistent pitcher. Um, I like where he's currently going, but I'm still, it's more of a, I'll draft him here and I don't expect him to go to perform more, if that makes sense. But Mm -hmm. I will be, I would love for him to do that. I just, I need to see that more consistency before I expect him to go there. But I think that, I mean, you know, he had a 424 ERA and a 134 whip. I do think maybe the whip can come down just a bit. Right. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so I, I think that he'll I think he'll get there. It just might be maybe next season. And that's an interesting point you make with uh, Breslow and company coming in. That uh, it's a massive, I guess, uh, I don't know what the w- proper word is. It's slipping my mind. Like just the whole concept, team concept, uh, team philosophy on yeah. pitching could change a lot. And those are things that, you know, we always give kudos to even the Guardians put good pitching together, the Dodgers, the Rays, there's all these teams that do that. Astros, um, maybe this is something they can change. This is a yeah. development thing potentially. So uh, maybe there's a surprise this year, or maybe it takes a year, like you said. So that's definitely something to keep in mind. Cutter Crawford, another young arm, another kind of more strikeouts than Bayo, but also more blowups than Bayo yep. is the is the problem. Like there's certain starts where C- Crawford throws, and you're just like, wow, like this is awesome. Can we see this every fifth day? There's other starts to say, wow, can we see this every fifth day in Pawtucket? Um, it's just it's an up and down thing. And like I've rostered him before. I've been on this road with Car- with Cutter Crawford. Yeah. What are your thoughts when you see Cutter Crawford, especially since he should be in the rotation this year? Um. Yeah. I mean, like you said, like it is. It's like a flip of a coin of what he's going to do each night. Um, but I don't know. I When I dug into his stats like a little bit more, I actually kind of liked him more than when I watched him, if that makes sense, because of the inconsistencies that I see when I watch him. But when I look into, you know, his stats, like his four seam fastball last year was like really good. A 36.7% K rate, right? And a 2.6 WOBA. Like, that is just, like, absolutely phenomenal. Like, and, you know, if he can just use his uh, four-seam insider, each of those pitches had above 36% K rates. So he just needs to just add just one other pitch, and I think it could be there. And maybe with this whole new, you know, pitching, uh, pitching core, pitching kind of uh, focus with this team, I think with his current price, I think it's an absolute just, you know, buy because he probably won't lose his spot in the rotation. But then if he does, he'll go into a long relief role and there'll still be those cases there because then he Mm -hmm. could just go back to that four seam slider mix. Right. And it will be plenty of K's in like two to three inning spurts. So I really like him in like uh drafting holds right now. Yeah, and that's where he's a great spot. Like you said, if he even goes back to the bullpen, there's still, I, I've talked about it many times on, like we did a DC show recently that a lot of relievers, you'd be surprised how many times you put them in your lineup instead of some of the pitchers you drafted in round 31. Like starting like, yep. do you think, you think it's cool? Like, and you do need those round 30 
40 starting pitchers, no doubt about it. But more often than not, the Cutter Crawford reliever type gets put in the lineup for obvious reasons. So yep. I'm with you. I'd be curious to see how it pans out for him because talent is very, very much there. Just putting it together consistently is the conundrum. Kind of leads us to the next few guys here. But um, Tanner Houck, like, well, I know we talked about him and this next guy last year. And we were kind of both like, okay, this, that, the injuries, we looks good. Kind of saw good and the bad with Tanner again. And there is definitely again talent there. So how are we looking at Tanner Houck this year who – Again, when you're looking at the you know the price tag, it's an ADP of 412 right now. Like he's late, late rounds. Uh, yeah, I mean at that price, I think it's fine. Um, I just, I mean, I've I've watched him for like two, three seasons right now, and he's he's not a starter. Like he's just gonna be like a lights out reliever. I think he would be a great seventh inning, eighth inning guy. Um, currently he's projected to be in the rotation because mm-hmm. uh, the Red Sox have no pitching. Yeah, so I I I get it, but because I'm just really not particularly a fan, because I just don't know, because I don't think that he would get saves, and maybe he could pick up some wins, but it's more of like a late round strikeout play, in my opinion, for him. And what about Garrett Whitlock? It seems like they're kind of whenever we talk Hulk, it's like Hulk Whitlock. It's like they're linked yeah. because I guess they came up about the same time, and one will be in the rotation and one in the bullpen, and they switch spots. It seems like. And yeah. um, what are your thoughts on Whitlock then? Because we even saw Whitlock show some potential back into the bullpen talents at time last year. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, honestly, as just a fan of watching someone pitch, I like Whitlock better because he's not as frustrating. Um, I do think that he could make a good quote unquote starter. I think that he is a good three inning, four inning guy um, from like a real life baseball standpoint here. Um, but I don't think that he is a starter, right? Because I mean, even the Red Sox, like they just like were limiting him to like five innings, five and a third innings. Right. So I don't think that they believe that he's necessarily a starter. So I do think that he definitely will be in the bullpen. And <sighs> With the Red Sox, you know, crying poor and wanting to trade everyone who has money, you know, maybe they trade Jansen, right? Mm-hmm. And may, maybe Chris Martin because he was absolutely fire last year. Yeah, he was. And maybe he ends up in the closers role. I don't know. Um, but, I mean, he's an interesting late fly on a draft hold, in my opinion. Yeah, and then it leads to Martin being obviously a nice, nice drafted hold pickup for many reasons oh, as yeah. well. Because if even if they don't trade Jansen, he's gonna spend at least one or two trips on the IL. That's just what he does sure, every year. Yeah. Every year, it's just what he does. So it leads me to Kenley Jansen. What are your your thoughts on him? Because he's getting older, still racks up his saves. Ratios have been a little less compatible in recent years as he gets older. But um, for now, he's still the dude. Uh, yeah, and I mean, I think that he's. Unless the Red Sox totally, like I said, just cry poor and and trade him away, he'll get his saves. And even if they do trade him away, I mean, he he'll probably get his saves. Like, why would you, as any other team, trade for Kenley Jansen and not have him as your closer, right? Yep. Um. So I think he's I think he's fine where he's at. Like he's like secure. I I kind of view him as kind of like a a, a Keg Craig Kimbrell. But, you know, 
Kimberl is on the Orioles, which is definitely a better team than the Red Sox, <laughs> right? Uh, so I, I, he's just like that guy who's going to give you saves. It's not going to be necessarily comfortable. It's not going to be fun, but he's going to give you those saves. And that's at the end of the day, that's what you need. And you don't have to pay a premium for Jansen anymore, which is sure, kind of the, yeah. the, the, which is the fun part. Like back in the day, he was in this heyday with the Dodgers. He was up there now. He's like 120. He's going right after Craig Kimbrell, as you mentioned him, and right before Clay Holmes and Edward Owsley. So you're like in that little range, like a closer two more often than not. And yeah. he actually fits that mold just fine, I think. Really, sure. like he's totally fine in that role. So, yeah, interesting with Kenley Jansen. Any other pitchers or hitters that I've missed before we get to the prospect world of things? Um, I didn't have any written down. Cool. All right, let's go prospect hunting. Uh, some teams have more than others. What are your thoughts on Boston? Or is there anybody at least that you could see having a potential impact worth keeping an eye on this year? Uh, Prospect-wise for this year, unless the Red Sox like totally tank and decide to just play the kids at the end of the year, I don't really think that we'll see too many. Um, I mean, I do have some guys that, you know, I've kind of like penciled down here of guys that I like. That if you're feeling frisky and like a draft and hold and you want to gamble and go the prospect route instead of old fuddy duddies, <laughs> um, you know, I have um, Kyle Teal written down. If you want like a late uh, catcher four um, in a DC, um, you know, he was just drafted out of UVA last year and he totally <laughs> just was amazing. And, you know, the, the, he's going to be like the catcher of the future for the Red Sox. So there could be a, you know, a spot for him, you know, in August or September. Um, Marcelo Mayer, you know, the, you know, if Trevor Story gets hurt again, or if Von Grissom just boots balls all over the place, maybe we'll call up Marcelo Mayer in like the second half, just to see what he does. Um, He's kind of coming off a uh, shoulder injury. Um, so if you look at his stats, it kind of is like very underwhelming, but he was dealing with a shoulder injury before he told the team, ow, my shoulder hurts. That's why I suck. <laughs> oh, kids. <laughs> Gotta kids, love that. Kids. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, he could, he could, you know, come up in like the second half and, you know, uh, Roman Anthony, Anthony was absolutely amazing last year. Um, he finished the season at double A. Um, he's extremely young, so I really doubt that the Red Sox are going to like push that, you know, you know, push him into the majors. But if he still is just dominating the minor leagues, maybe in the second half we, we could see him as well. Cool. Yeah, we'll see. The Red Sox are one, like you said, one of those teams that the talents there, at least offensively, that they can keep it competitive. But if they want to tank and keep trading and go, no one to be surprised anymore. That's the way exactly. things go in this weird <laughs> world we live in. But uh, Shelly, we'll wrap it up there before we head on out. Obviously, thank you for joining me as always. But before we head on out, remind everybody where they can find you and where your awesome written work can be or whatever work you have going on can be found. Yeah, sure. Um, thanks again for having me on. This is like really fun. It's really yeah. good to talk about the team that I love, but then also love to hate at the same time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Um, I write over at uh, Rotor Worlds. Um, you know, during the season, I do a once weekly kind of, you know, pick up this guy, pick, uh, pick up that pitcher, pick up that player, whatever kind of thing. And, you know, I do a couple other articles um, for them throughout the um, throughout the season. Um, and I do a lot of more stuff on Twitter. 
um, because I find it just easier. Um, so you can find me over on Twitter at ShellyV underscore 643. Awesome. Can't wait to uh, keep keep seeing what you got out there on the Twitter and on the written uh, Brodo World stuff. But yes, sadly enough, sometimes it is much easier on Twitter. That is the, the world <laughs> we live in. That's why we're all still there. Um, sadly, but, sadly, uh, sadly. Yes, but thank you for joining me once again. It was great, and uh, we'll have to do this again sometime. Yeah, definitely. Thanks again for having me. All right, everybody. This was Bench with Bubba, episode 621, previewing your 2024 Boston Red Sox. Catch you all next time. Yeah.